This is episode 56 of Extraordinary Women Radio. Welcome to Extraordinary Women Radio. I am your host, Cami Gilmer. Women are being called to lead with voice, vitality, and vigor. Each week, join me for wisdom-filled interviews with extraordinary women living out loud and making a difference in our world. Their stories will uplift, inspire, and spark your own purpose-driven journey. Hello, my Extraordinary Women friends. Today's Extraordinary Women radio interview with Hope Savara is so good. Hope is a mindfulness and lifestyle expert, a best-selling author, and a motivational speaker who empowers individuals with her personal stories, and her stories are powerful. I can promise you, you will be moved. In fact, this may be my very first podcast interview that I've ended up in tears on. Her stories are truly heart-touching, and it is within these stories, as Hope shares, that yoga found her and transformed her life to finding her purpose. Breath, body, and belief are the pillars of Hope's mission to helping others excel with purpose. In our interview today, Hope shares her wisdom on how the mind operates, how the body works, and how our beliefs can affect our mental health and our wellness overall, and the success we find in life. I think Hope and I were meant to meet, and in the midst of this interview, the idea drops in that we should be planning a retreat together, and I'm just going to say that I'm all in. We're so aligned in so many ways, even in our written purpose, which I'm going to leave as a a surprise to come out in the interview. So let's jump in and meet the fabulous Hope Zavara. Well, welcome, Hope. I'm so pleased to have you join us today on Extraordinary Women Radio. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm so glad we found each other. I was looking through all of your information and I just know that we share the same passion for clarity and purpose and just the parallel lines and what each of us stands for was really a beautiful alignment. And I'm just always in awe of how like-minded women find one another. It's like the universe getting in and working at our very best, I believe. I could not agree more. And I feel like the more you are in alignment and the more you're trusting that like inner drive and that inner intuition to do what you're meant to do here, you attract and you find more and more of those people. Oh, absolutely. It's so, it's so much fun. It's just so much fun to play in that kind of energy. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. So I heard you say that you didn't find yoga, but rather yoga found you. So can you tell us that story? I love this. It is yes, exactly, and that is exactly how I I explain it to students and listeners. And um, really, yoga found me at a point in my life where I didn't know I, I didn't know what what's going to be next. I didn't know what my next step was. And at a suggestion of a caring soul, literally, yoga found me. And I was knee deep in an eating disorder. I was struggling to step into recovery. I knew I knew I needed help. Mm-hmm. I knew that there was more for me in life, but I I was scared. I didn't know what the next step was. I didn't know uh, what what was going to come. And yoga fell into my lap. Mm-hmm. And my Wednesday night yoga class became a weekly ritual of second chances I tell people. Mm-hmm. And I can still remember the very first time leaving that yoga class and thinking to myself and stopping in the doorway with my mat under my arm and my legs were shaking and thinking, oh my gosh, I have no 
thoughts. No anxiety thoughts, no eating disorder thoughts, no, you know, uh, self-destructive thoughts, nothing. And I could not remember the last time I had not had that. And that's beautiful. And it's, it's that, that peace and that quiet that you feel, I mean, what brings that to us in, in, in the, the world of yoga? Because I love yoga myself. I, I, it's, it's my favorite way to exercise. And I know when I walk out of a studio, I feel a different peace, a different way of being. What is it that, that gives us that, that freedom of thought? Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a couple components to it, but um, one of the really great and special things about a yoga practice, about an asana practice and bringing all the eight limbs of yoga in is that we do something in yoga, very unique um, things like Tai Chi or Qigong, um, you know, do similar things as well. But, but what's different about yoga is that we are forced, and I mean that in a good way, we are forced to listen to our inner self, our inner soul. We are, we are asked to be still enough to recognize what our next need is and then serve that. And I think in today's world, especially where we're constantly encouraged the second we don't like something to do something different and to not feel and to turn the volume up louder and to pick up the cell phone when there's nothing to do. And, and yoga says, get quiet, be uncomfortable and see what those feelings mean. And see where those sensations take you. And for me, I had spent over 15 years doing the exact opposite. I had perfected not feeling. I was numb. Mm -hmm. And that was my self-preservation. The the more numb I could be, the less I had to feel, the less I would be hurt. And yoga said, no, you can't move forward. You can't grow unless you start doing this. And so it was moving my body. It was building muscles and becoming more flexible, but something else happened. I started to become more flexible to life. I started to let my guard down. I started to be okay with the struggle and the anxiety that I felt on the mat. I was able to practice and develop skills on a mat in a safe place that I found myself translating out into my life. I call it the incubator. It's like, come to yoga, come to your mat, deal with all your shit, part of my French. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so that you can go out in life and be able to actually strive and do those things. It's kind of like having training wheels and then you start to take them off. And I, I am so grateful for yoga because I feel like my foundational skills on how to live in life and how to be in my body and how to understand my feelings and my thoughts and my emotions came because I was willing to get still and quiet long enough to see it through. I think that's the key is yeah. to see it through. To keep doing it. Yes, exactly. And to not just give it. up because it's, you know, it's too hard or you don't like the teacher or you're not flexible enough. I mean, those are all our ego's way of keeping us stuck and, right. and kind of the excuses of saying, oh, you know, whatever this, or it's, you know, it's too cold to go outside. And it's like, you know, I, I always tell my students, I've never met anyone that has left my yoga class and goes, well, that was a waste of time. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and I'll tell you, I'm totally notorious. And I, and I love I love yoga, but I am really notorious for coming up with some sort of an excuse. So what do you tell your students when, when they're coming up with these excuses of why did, they didn't show? Um, what, what are some of the things you just relay back to your own students? Yeah. You know, a couple of the things that I um, 
I say to them, and a lot of times I, I speak very organically in class, so it's not just inhale, exhale. I'm trying to also kind of talk a little bit about life and my own experiences, all kind of woven into the class. And, and I hear this a lot. And, and one of the things I always say to them is stop for a moment and think to yourself, is sitting at home in front of the couch going to get you to where you want to go tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Is coming to yoga going to get you where you want to go? Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can't, you can't, uh, you know, get better buns and a stronger core and a more flexible hamstrings doing the same thing over and over again, or you've already, you would already have those things. Right. You can't get clarity in your mind or feel as though you have better management skills and, and a better mood enhancement doing what you're already doing, or you'd already have those things. And that's the exact same thing I told myself. If I already was fully into recovery and doing well and being able to have healthy relationships with people, I already would. Mm-hmm. And I didn't. And so yoga became this doorway for me to continue to take those steps forward. So I would take one step forward and be able to master a yoga pose or be able to sit for meditation a minute or two longer. And I found my life paralleling in equal strides. And I felt like that was what was so cool about yoga. And even when I stepped into recovery and my husband and I, I opened a yoga studio Um, I married my husband, who was my high school sweetheart, and we found out just two months after we got married that I was pregnant. Mm -hmm. And this was kind of a surprise for us. Yeah. Was this while you were still dealing with recovery issues with your eating? Yeah. Yeah. This was just, I was very new into recovery. I um, had gone through an outpatient treatment. I felt like that was my next step in my life if I truly, I truly believed that I could live addiction free in my life. Mm-hmm. I felt like something inside of me said I would not have to suffer with this my whole life. Even though I was told by therapists and psychotherapists and counselors, worst case scenario, you know, you learn how to function in life. And I was like, I am not just going to learn how to function in life. Like there has to be something good in this. And, and so I was trying to do all the work. Yoga was helping be my guide and helping me to manage my mood and my emotions and my feelings and help me work through those things. And just when I'm getting my feet back on the ground again, my husband and I, we find out that I'm pregnant. Right. And then at 29 weeks pregnant, we got news that I still to this day, you know, my, my, my heart stops when I hear it, that someone else is going through what I had gone through. And we were told that my child was not going to make it. Our daughter, our daughter was not going to make it. Mm-hmm. And, um, on May 23rd, 2007, which was actually just two days ago, um, our tiny little two pound daughter, Faith, was born into this world. Mm. And I still remember those feelings of holding her in my arms and, and almost regressing back in a moment, back into those don't feel, be numb, right. you know, just kind of don't go through this, protect yourself. And my little yoga voice was kind of like, let that guard down for a moment. Mm -hmm. And our daughter lived for for 19 minutes. And Mm -hmm. I still remember those moments of holding her in my arms and thinking to myself, you know, why God, what did I ever do to deserve this? And I think we all fall into that mindset. Something, Something horrendous and horrific happens. And I would do anything to have my daughter back in my life, anything. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't the cards for, for me and my husband. And that wasn't what we were dealt. And now thinking ahead 11 years later, she has given us so many blessings that mm-hmm. I would have not been able to receive 
without her life the way it was. And can you, can you be, you know, yeah. give some examples around that? Yeah. And so, I mean, right off the bat, she pushed me, I believe, to forge fully into recovery, the mm-hmm. motivation to heal my body, okay. the tools to really go, okay, Hope, there are other people in this life struggling too. And am, am I saying that it's easy? Absolutely not. I mean, I, I feel like I'm still grieving 11 years later. I don't think you ever stop grieving. It just changes. But those tools have been instrumental for me to be able to help other people. I feel like I tracked those types of people now and those people that have been going through those things because I survived that. Right. And, and also she's given me a mindset. One of the things I adapted early on um, after she had passed was what, what good can come of this? There has mm-hmm. to be something good in this. And that became my mantra. That became my affirmation. Every single morning I would wake up and say, there has to be something good in this. There has to be a reason why this happened, why, why she didn't live and I'm living. And I realized that she's a part of my story. Right. Absolutely. She's a part of my message and my mm-hmm. mission. Mm-hmm. And without her, I wouldn't be able to touch as many lives as I am. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is truly beautiful and selfless. And I, I wake up every morning and I think how lucky I am to be living because she didn't get that chance to. And I, we have to flip our perspective. We, we have to step do. outside of our dark, gloomy cloud that's comfortable and be uncomfortable. And she forced me to do that. She still does. Right. Right. Oh, Hope, that's such a beautiful story. And, and the way that you found the the other side of this because it's, it's I mean to to lose a child I it just I my my heart just goes out to you to have lost it held that beautiful baby in your arms and to have lost her but then to be able to find the strength to say there was a reason for this and to look for that on a daily basis is so powerful and I think as you say you know it's it's that ripple effect that you're creating in the world um, as part of your journey on in this 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 you know, lifetime. I agree. I agree. Can I tell you a story? Really, oh, really, just really quick story. Yeah, so, please. um, about two years ago, I suffered a very severe concussion. Um, mm-hmm. I it was out of work, you know, whatnot. And it was also right around the time, um, about the year prior that my, my life and my business was taking some really big shifts. Mm-hmm. Someone I had worked with was no longer working with. And I kind of felt like I was doing yoga teacher training for about five years. And I kind of felt like, I think that time in my life was over, but I was, I was scared. I was like, where do I go from here? What's my next step? I knew I, I wanted to be speaking more for the last 15 years. I had been using yoga as my platform. And I felt like now I was flipping myself upside down and using yoga as my toolbox and speaking on just a more of a platform to inspire and reach more people that aren't into yoga. Mm-hmm. And so I'm laying on my living room couch and just kind of laying there because I can't watch TV. I can't be on a computer, you know, and I'm not supposed to work. I'm just laying there and I start to cry. And I think, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, how do I tie this all together? Mm-hmm. How do I do this? Like, how, do, how do the dots connect, right? Yeah. How, how can I make this living? You know, some people are like, oh, just go get a normal job, Hope. And I'm like, no, I don't think that's for me. And how do I, how do I take my story and my talents and, and my gift for speaking? And how do I tie this all together? And all of a sudden pops into my head, look up what the meaning of hope is. And believe it or not, I've never done this before. And so I open up my computer. I'm like, okay, three minutes. I'm just going to like open it up and look for something really quick. And I look at it and what is the symbol for hope is a butterfly. And what have I been telling my children for the last 10 years, eight, 10 years is your daughter, your, your sister, Faith is a butterfly. 
And whenever you see a butterfly, know it's your sister watching over you. And my kids get giddy when they see butterflies still to this day. I mean, they, they, they say, oh my gosh, mom, it's Faith. She's here. She's back. And just this full circle of what my name means and yeah. who I am is so deeply woven into the fabric of who she was. I just felt this unloading clarity, this amounting um, um, clarity of like, oh my gosh, I need to move forward. This is my time to transition, to move forward, to be bold and to really carry her message and start putting this all together. Oh, Hope, that is so beautiful. I mean, I've got tears. I'm wiping tears from my eyes and it's, it's, it's so beautiful. And, and the symbols that we can find in nature around us, like the butterfly, um, and, and to bring that joy into your lives, into your children's lives, it's such a beautiful gift. And, 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 and the synergy that it's, it's associated with your name, right? It's like, the, mm-hmm. it's hope. It's like, that is such a beautiful way to connect all these pieces. And I think, I do believe that the universe gifts us with these types of, um, signs and and letting us know and breadcrumbs saying, keep going this way. And, and what was I doing in that time laying on my couch with a concussion? Poor me. Why is this happening? Please show me a reason. Please show me a sign why this is happening. And then I have this thought and, and to do that. And then it completely opened up a doorway I would have never thought, or I was waiting for, but didn't know where it was. And I think as people, we often overthink it. It's like we're waiting for the sky to open and someone, you know, on a cloud to ride in and say, here's the answer. <laughs> and sometimes it's just an inner thought. Sometimes it's just a feeling, right. you know, here's right. your golden envelope for exactly what you should do in the next 10 years. And mm-hmm. that's going back to the yoga thing. We need to get quiet. We need to trust that we know and that What's the worst that can happen? We do something that doesn't work. Well, now we can cross it off our list and do something else. Yes, 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 yes. I can't agree with you more. And I think, you know, it's in my book, when I talk about my own story, uh, my book is Fire Dancer. And it's the, I talk about the signpost that guided me to do, to leave the corporate world, to, you know, find what I was supposed to be doing in my purpose in, in the world. And, you know, and I totally tune into the animals and the nature around mm-hmm. us in a way that, that brings us together. And, and, and the only way you can hear that is if you slow down and you make the space to listen in some form or another. And I, um, it, it, it's so powerful when you can make space and, and, and I think the body work combined with the space is, is incredibly powerful. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think that's what you're doing here is, is that, you know, you've brought this body work into your own story and now you share it with, with so many other people, um, that, that it's inspirational for everyone to hear your stories. And, you know, what I was thinking about, I was like, so what do you think you did differently that you not only survived what you've been through, all this difficult thing, but you are now thriving? I think a big part of that is having a foundational belief that I'm connected to something greater, whether Mm -hmm. that is universal consciousness, your creator, your higher power, God, whatever that is for you, but having a connection to something greater than myself and a belief that I'm just not here as this peon in this life. And that's it. Mm -hmm. That there's a, and I, I, I've always felt this in my life that there's a purpose for me. 
And I might not know exactly what it is, but I know there's purpose and value for me. And I have to believe that. And I have to strive for that. And I go back to my daughter because she's, I'm living and she's not. And even during my eating disorder, I felt like there has to be something good to come of this. Mm-hmm. Why am I, why are my sisters normal and I'm not? Why am I struggling with this and my friends are not? You know, I, and my mom would always tell me, Hope, you know, you were chosen for something. You know, there's something special about you and you have to believe that. I know every parent says that to her daughter, but I really believed that. Yes. I really believed that, that I would make it out of that hellhole and have a story to tell people about it, not to be prideful or boastful, but to save someone the hardship and struggle of what I went through. And if I can do that for one person, save them taking their own life because they've lost a child or feeling as though they, there's nowhere to turn because addiction has taken over their life. I mean, I've already been to hell and back. I was telling myself, what's the worst that can happen? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and I think for many of us, we don't give ourselves enough credit that we have gifts and talents. They might not be as well played on social media or as fabulous on, you know, the, a billboard on the highway, but we have the ability to help people, whether it's one person or 1,000 or 1 million people. But that ripple effect that happens from one person is huge and instrumental in creating more good in this world. Yes. Yes. I'm a big believer that we all have a purpose and we all have something to do and we can, we can make a difference to so many people. And, um, you know, like you said, one person or many, but it's, um, that is a gift that we're all given. Is it? And believe that we can make a difference. Exactly. Exactly. One of the things I've noticed about, you know, all of the transformations that you've taken over the course of your life is, is that you have a, an innate ability to really listen to your inner wisdom and, and your intuition and, and, and help you, it, help, let it uh, allow you to move into your what's next of the next evolution of your business, the next evolution of you, you know, all of the different pieces. How has that shown up for you? How do you listen to it? What's, what's, how do you trust your, your, that inner wisdom? I'm laughing over here right now. Uh, yes, <laughs> that's, that's a great question. And I think, um, you know, there's kind of a couple components to that. I think one, um, when you're scared, do it anyways. Mm-hmm. And so I've applied that for about the last five years when I'm scared, it's because I really need to do that one thing. And I literally have these inner dialogues with myself. Well, if you don't want to do it, hope, well, then don't expect to receive the results and you're not going to get where you want to go as fast or maybe not at all. So you got to do it anyways. Then, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so that's one of the things that the I, big, I continually steps. tell myself. Yeah. And just being, being bold. And, you know, for those of you that have struggled with addiction before, one of the things that kind of comes with that is shame and also worrying about what other people think. Mm -hmm. And so this next step in my life to really put myself out there has not only been great for my business, but it's been incredibly healing for myself because I have to be seen. Yes. And as much as I, I put me on stage and it's like, I can light up the room, but, but it's like, behind all of that, when that's not going on, I, I, I would be so worried about what other people thought and, and being shame, if I'm feeling shameful, if I said the wrong thing, or I felt like, Ooh, they might not like that style of yoga and, and being bold and being brave and doing it anyways has really helped me get over that hump of when people are upset and angry, that's their stuff, not mine. Right. 
and being able to heal some of my deeper wounds from, from my childhood and from growing up and from kind of all the self-abuse that I did of just reminding myself, you know, what's the worst that can happen? Someone doesn't like me, but if I don't like me, what's worse? Right. So how do you, and, how do you lean into that, that, that love yeah. yourself? So much? I mean, it's, that is so important. And so many women deal with this, like, right. It's, it's that mm-hmm. being seen is a scary thing. And we worry, we have that inner critic that shows up. What are some of the things that work best for you and, and hushing that, that voice? Well, one of the best things that I do, and I still do it to this day is I look at myself in a mirror and I tell myself what I love about myself. Mm-hmm. every day. Oh, that's awesome. And when I was first going through recovery, it was looking at myself in the mirror and saying, I don't want to be thin. I want to be strong. And I try, I always tell people I traded bones for muscles mm-hmm. and really taking that mindset. And so every morning I look at myself in the mirror and I tell myself, I love my skin. I love my body. I love the way I look. I love the way I smile. I love that aligns around my eyes. I, I love, I love myself and I literally believe it. I mean, that's what I'm yes. still so baffled about it because I hated myself people. I mean, I, I despised every inch of my body wow. to the point where I could not even look in a mirror. I was so disgusted with myself and I look at myself in a mirror now and I think there is one strong, beautiful, badass woman. And I don't feel bad about it, Yes, but but it's been a process. And I Mm -hmm. think that's where as women, we have to give ourselves some slack and understanding that it's kind of the the fake it till you make it, Mm -hmm. say it until you believe it. And it might not happen tomorrow. It might not happen a year from now, but you will be amazed at how your life transforms because now you're attracting those things because you believe that you're worth those things. Right. Right. Absolutely. Because it's, it's, and, it's really, it's ingrained into your soul at that point. Exactly. And a lot of that stuff that we think about ourselves is not even our stuff. It's stuff that we have observed growing up and observed from the people around us that we should always, you know, say someone gives us a gift and say, oh, that's not necessary. Or, or you know, oh, I don't look pretty. You know, oh, I'm so fat. And it's like, do you really believe that? Or is that just what you've always observed other people saying? So you think that's how you're supposed to respond to things. And as adults, we say those things and don't even realize we're saying them right. and the impact it has on us on a cellular level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I read a book recently just about that cellular level of, of how we can, you know, how that impacts us at that level. And I'm can't mm-hmm. even think the, the name of the book right now. I think the woman's name is Sandra Barrett and she's out of California. Um, and, but the book was really very much about how do we, how we impact ourselves at that, you know, just by the thoughts that we have mm-hmm. and, and how we can really change that if we, if we start changing those thoughts. Yeah, I totally agree. And I tell my students two things. One, your body is the biggest storage unit that you'll ever see. Mm-hmm. And you need a practice to shed some of those old files that you no longer need and don't serve you. And mm-hmm. yoga is a vehicle to do that. It's mm-hmm. like opening up the file cabinet and going, I don't need those things anymore. I don't need that. And I don't need that. And I don't need that. And that happens because our body is the soul's last attempt to get us to listen. And if you mm-hmm. never get quiet enough, mm-hmm. you never hear. And that's for me, why I so deeply believe in the yoga that I know and the yoga that I practice, I can't vouch for every style. But for me, the way I approach yoga is it, it does just that. It, the body is the soul's last attempt to get us to listen. So what is your body telling you? 
your knees hurt, your back hurts, you know, you keep pulling muscles, you, you feel uncomfortable, you know, you have a little weight around the middle or, or you're constantly overly aggressive in your practice or really timid and timid and passive and unwilling to do new things. Like what is that telling you about yourself and your life? And can you reflect on that and, and start to maybe take strides in new directions? Really as a mirror to, to, to go deeper and, and see what else, you know, what's, what you're reflecting through that. Yeah. 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 So there was a point where you actually left yoga. Um, and what was, I mean, tell us what happened and what was the result of that break away from yoga? Yeah. And so I left yoga for, for really two different reasons at two different times. And so the first time that I left yoga was shortly after probably a, maybe two or three years after I was kind of really, my feet were on the ground in recovery. And I realized that I was addicted to yoga, the asana. Okay. And my rigidity of the need to control things in my life, being able to cross off yoga every day, two hours on my calendar became obsessive and compulsive. Okay. And I felt as though in my practice, in my asana practice, I was using the asana to maintain my body and to not self-punish, but kind of self-punish. Um, and it, it wasn't positive anymore. And, mm-hmm. and I was, was for the wrong reasons. Yeah. And I didn't like that. I didn't like that feeling. And and being a recovering addict, I'm very aware to the fact that you often trade one addiction for the next. And I was addicted to asana. Mm-hmm. And so my way to be able to find a healthy relationship with that again was to actually step off the mat. And I did for about two years. Okay. And the funny thing is, is I was teaching yoga and I was teaching teacher trainings, but I was not practicing myself. But here's okay. the cool thing that happened was there's eight limbs to yoga. And I found myself diving into the other seven. Mm-hmm. I found myself becoming more aware of how my breath plays an integral role in my life and the yamas and niyamas, the ethical moral values for myself and the world, understanding more about what meditation really means. And it kind of took me to the next level. A lot of people just hang out at asana and that's it. And I found myself really evolving my practice. So when I came back to the mat, that kind of mirrored a complete asana revelation and kind of change for me where I found myself stepping out of the yoga community again, having to practice again, but I found that there were a lot of gaps in practice that people hurting themselves or hearing things about things or learning more about the body. I was like, why are we doing this in yoga? Like that doesn't make sense. Or that seems counterproductive, or that seems like that would probably cause more problems. And here's the deal. Yoga is over 5,000 years old. It's an ancient science. It's, it's just amazing, but our bodies are not the way that they were 5,000 years ago. We don't squat on the ground and eat our dinner. You know, we aren't barefoot 24-7. We live in a concrete jungle. You know, we have so many different issues and body movements and mechanics than we did. And so yoga needs an update. And so that's what I did. I, I found myself for about five to 10 years studying the core, functional anatomy, massage, um, just kind of starting to step into different endeavors in different areas, biomechanics, you know, different things to bring back to yoga. And I literally went through my yoga teacher training book and asana by asana rewrote how to come into those postures. Some of them I got rid of altogether and I haven't practiced in 10 years because I knew that they weren't safe for the body. I'm not doing my students a service by lying to them and saying, we should do this when I know it's wrong and I don't even do it in my own practice. Okay. And yeah, so it was just a complete change and, and the result and the the feedback was incredibly positive. 
And I'm so grateful for that because my students have been my teachers and my feedback and, and they're so honest with me and how many strides I've seen my students take and even my, my global students take because of that lets me know that I'm doing something right. Right, right. So you, from that, that work, um, really have developed your, your own teachings. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so tell us just, you know, tell, tell every, our listeners about what your work stands for and, and what you do in your work and, and how it's evolving. Yeah, absolutely. So, so for me, I feel like I'm at a place in my life now where um, I approach the body, the mind, you know, life in what I call the hope process. So helping others purposefully excel. And in the last couple of years, I kind of started looking at everything that I do and how I approach um, teaching and, and life. And it kind of boiled down to three things, the three B's, breath, body, and belief. And if I just kind of zone in on the, the second B, the body, um, what I found was I, I created a methodology a few years before I kind of figured out this whole hope process thing, and it's called core functional fitness. And everything is an extension of your core, your arms, your legs, how you move, how you don't move, your identity, energetically. You know, there's so much that resides back to our core. And I found two th- two key things um, unique to us in this world. We either avoid the core completely or we overabuse it. And it's like, oh, really hard. I got to go really hard. And neither one of those serves us. And so helping people understand more about this area of the body and as women, helping them understand the pelvic floor. I'm going to be really frank with you right now and Mm -hmm. talking about the vaginal passageway and the anal sphincter and the perineum and and what these muscles are and how to feel then and and what it really means to, to engage in your pelvic floor and not have to struggle and suffer with things like leakage and and different bowel issues because those are muscles down there and Mm -hmm. and we can bring them back to life. And it's such a taboo thing to talk about these types of things in yoga and in fitness in general, or teachers will just say, activate the pelvic floor. And people have no clue what that is. They don't have a clue what that is. And I saw this and I recognized this because I had done quite a bit of, of Pilates training and I did kind of a variety of them. And I feel so found my same thing as I found in yoga. They're teaching me the movements. They're not teaching me how to move. Mm. That, that There's something wrong with that. And I'm finding that I, I don't know how to look at people's bodies. I'm just looking at a pose and trying to shove them into a pose. And if you have issues, if you have imbalances in your body and you come to yoga or anything and you're not aware of how to make those right, you're just going to reiterate and enhance those issues. So the weak is going to stay weak. The strong is going to get stronger. And that's why sometimes we kind of get better. And then all of a sudden, either a new issue arises or the old issue gets worse because we haven't changed how we move in this world. We haven't changed how we, how we spend our time during the day. We're just going to an hour of exercise and hoping for the best blindly as a teacher and as a student. And that, that relates right back into our life. And so I found myself kind of feeling guilty that I was disserving my students and just kind of went on a quest to understand the body more and understand the core and understand muscles and fascia and, and how we really do move, not just what yoga poses look like. And the result has been phenomenal. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And, and, and I think so many women and probably men as well find ourselves disconnected from the, the full essence of our bodies, if you will. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 so, it sounds to me like what you're doing is just you're taking people deep into their bodies. Yeah. Um, to really feel and really experience your bodies and work with your bodies and and, and where wherever your body happens to be at that point. You know, where are things feeling stuck? Where are things needing to move? Where's the energy within you wanting to flow? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And and giving them giving them permission to be a little bit more intimate with their body mm-hmm. and be able to really kind of start to step into their own skin all the way to, you know, we, we start with a blueprint, you know, what is, what is the yoga's blueprint Tadasana? But, you know, we, for most people, it's like, just stand tall and like, just kind of stand there. And, but it's like, if we understand the baseline of where our body is physically, then everything we do Beyond that, we always have a baseline to go back to. Okay, I notice my foot always wants to turn out when I do this. Oh, mm-hmm. but if I go back to neutral, wow, that changes it. Like, why does my body always pull that way? And, and we can start to understand more about why we feel certain things in asana poses, why our hip always hurts when we go for a walk. I'm a big promoter of walking. I walk every single day. That's part of my practice. Mm-hmm. Is And I, I don't walk with headphones. I don't walk with my phone. I always walk just in nature because I realized... Part of my anxiety was always using distraction. So about 12 years ago, I stopped walking with headphones and I found that my commune with nature and also ideas started to flood in so much more when I was able to get quiet again. Mm. And uh, so it's kind of my meditation walk and just like, I'll bring my phone so I can voice record ideas and thoughts and like insights. Like, oh my God, I got to remember that because they would just flood in when I'm quiet. Same thing with my yoga practice. And we just don't do that as enough as people. We just don't, we're afraid to get quiet. It's almost like it's like, ooh, I don't want to tell people I'm doing that, you know? Right. Right. I love that you um, integrate walks in nature as part of your daily practice along with your yoga, because I think to me, that's, you know, like, for example, this morning I sat outside and it was still dark outside and it was, you know, the birds were just starting to sing and, um, you know, the sun was coming up and you just find such beautiful inner wisdom that wants to flow through you if you, if you make that kind of space. I agree. I agree. Waking up before the world wakes up, I think is one of the most beautiful times to have introspection. And if you're a creative person or a creator or a writer or anything like that, I find that that sometimes those early morning hours are my best time to really be in tune with my higher power and myself and be alignment with my purpose and uh, I find myself when I struggle getting out of bed or I'm kind of feeling lethargic, I also feel stuck in my life, which is an interesting parallel. Mm-hmm. You know, I tell, often tell my clients that this, the soulful inspired work of an entrepreneur is the most important work that we can do is making that kind of space for ourselves to really listen to where's the universe taking us? Where is it guiding us? What's feeling light? What's feeling easy? What's feeling hard? And, you know, making and listening to choices from that perspective. And I was listening to one of your interviews recently and and one of the things you said was is you must go inward to be profitable outward and I love mm-hmm. the way you said that um, it just it was it was a, pre- a profound way to state that um, tell us more what brought that about for you you know um, well I think for just my in my own personal life I was finding that if I wasn't taking care of myself nothing else was going well 
And when I started making a stance for myself in my personal life, um, kind of asking for my time back and seeing myself as valuable up at number one, and I would struggle with that because I was like, oh, people are going to think I'm selfish. But I'm like, if there is no me, how can I help them? Right, right. And, you know, I just, for me personally, I just started to fall in love again with myself and my time and recognizing that how much of society in the world tells us that that's a bad thing and that we should feel guilty about that. And we hear people say that, oh, I don't have enough time or, oh, must be nice for you to be able to do that. Right. And I'll respond and say, actually, it is. It really is. And and you have that availability too. And they kind of look at me. Yeah. And it's a choice. And that's exactly right. It comes down to a choice and that inner critic, that inner voice bubbles up and it says to us, you're not deserving. Mm-hmm. You have to grind. You have to work hard. And and how can you be inspired to do your work? Whether it's showing up at Walmart and you're a greeter every day and you rock that being a greeter because you might make a difference in someone's life, or you're getting up on a stage in front of a million people, or you're a copywriter, or you're a whatever you are. If you're not soulfully inspired, people feel that. And and how can you feel fulfilled in life if you're not connected with life itself? Right. Right. I so agree. So where's your business going right now? What, what's, what's on the horizon for what, where you're going, where your business is going? What do you see in your future right now? Yeah. So I have owned a yoga studio for 12 years. Mm -hmm. And when I first started my first yoga teacher training, which was my gosh, over 15 years ago, I felt like when I sat actually in Colorado and I sat in that circle of 11 people and they asked us, why are you here? I heard a voice inside of me and it just, I wrote these all down, these things all down on, on yellow legal pad. And it told me, I heard this voice saying 11 things you're going to do. And I've done all of them, but two and crossing off those things on my list and where I'm at in my life right now, transitioning from owning just a yoga studio to really coming into the full understanding that um, and I say this with the utmost, you know, heartfelt awakening is to help millions and to speak. And I know that that's my calling in life. I've always been a great speaker and I've used yoga as my platform to get, become comfortable with sharing my story inch by inch. I've shared myself on the yoga mat over 15 to 17 years. And now I'm ready to essentially flip myself upside down and put speaking on the top and yoga toolbox underneath and bring yoga and what yoga has to offer people and insight and inspiration to people who wouldn't otherwise have it. And so that's really my transition point is bringing my tools that I've had at my yoga studio and traveling to fitness conferences and things and, and really broadening my reach, talking to people like you and, and getting up on stages and being able to inspire people in the masses. Mm, you know what I love? You're going to, you're going to crack up when I tell you this. So my purpose statement is written as that I want to impact a million women around the world, um, in their passion and they're helping them achieve their passion and purpose and step into the life that they love. Um, so <laughs> I'm just, I love struggling. it. Love it. <laughs> We've got we've got work to do, sister. It's like- we totally do. But I think that's the whole thing. That's the right. whole thing, Cami, is recognizing that you have a passion yeah. and a purpose. And not just a passion, but it's a purpose. Like it is such a deep fire within me that when I'm not when I'm not sharing my story and I'm not inspiring others and I'm not teaching in, in a in a glo- more global way, 
I literally feel like my fire is slowly dying. It's like, hope you are wasting precious time. This life is precious in doing something that you no longer know is not fulfilling that you know you're not supposed to be doing. And it's not as fruitful because you know it's not supposed to be what you're focusing on. And we do that to ourselves because it's comfortable, because it's familiar. And that goes back to my whole affirmation. I tell myself, do it anyway, you know? And I tell my clients when they're making their purpose statements, make them big and bold like that because those kind of a statements that you want to impact a million women, women makes you get up on a bigger stage. Mm-hmm. It makes you say, I need to be reaching more people. I need to be, I mean, it, part of doing this podcast was I want to reach more people. And so it helps us stretch when we put big, bold goals out on, associated with our purpose. Oh my gosh, 100% agree. It also keeps you striving. And I, I recognize that the people that struggle to do that or feel like, oh, I don't have the time, you know, I don't think they truly believe that that they can reach those goals. Right. You know, and, and they're, it's almost like you're afraid to put that out to the universe. And right. I used to be afraid to tell people what I wanted to do mm-hmm. and that I, that I wanted to do these things. Cause I thought, you know, oh gosh, they're going to judge me and they're going to be like, what? How do you think that you're going to be able to do that? And, and I, I had to get over that because it's like, if I don't believe it, how are they ever going to believe it? Absolutely. Absolutely. So do you come to Colorado and, and teach still? Um, I do occasionally. It kind of depends. I have a, a couple actually yoga teacher friends out there that have said, hey, you should come back and, and do a workshop or something. And I, I think if the opportunity arised, I would love to. I, I would absolutely love to. I have quite a big online following in Colorado. Um, and so yeah, if the opportunity arises, I would love to come back out. I want to take one of your classes. So, uh... Oh my gosh. I want to come out and teach you. We should put something on together. Yeah. I, oh, that would be fun. That would, okay. We, we've got more to talk about there. Definitely. Yeah. So where stay tuned in if you're on here, you know, let us know if you're interested. We want to know. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. We can bring some of my, my equine assisted coaching work, um, and, and, and integrate it with some of that with, with your, with your yoga. That could be be awesome. Yes. Yes. So where can listeners learn more about your work? Yeah. Um, you can check me out on hopesavara.com. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I currently have just a fitness site, hopecorefitness.com. And in about two weeks, everything will be all moved over to just hopesavara.com. Okay. And you can find, I have an online yoga studio. I have a full asana video library, breaking down each of the yoga poses and kind of my functional approach. I have online meditations. I have mindfulness courses that integrate yoga and affirmations and journey journaling together. So just tons of opportunities if you're looking to kind of take that next step forward and recognize that you also need to take that step in, you know, definitely check out my website. I'm on Facebook, Hope Savara, Instagram, same thing. My handle's Hope Savara. And uh, check me out and follow me and, and let's chat and let's help you get where you want to go. Oh, this is awesome. And, and I'll put all those links on the website as well. Awesome. So the final question that we always close on these interviews with is what three pearls of wisdom can you leave our audience with today? (laughs) I think the first pearl is the body is the soul's last attempt to get us to listen. And I know I said this earlier, but I, I can't stress enough the importance of that. And the second one is you only get one life and the breath is the first thing that you're given in this life and the last to be taken away. Don't wait until the last breath to see how important it is. Mm. And you can interpret that however it is you need to. For me, I look at it as don't waste time. 
Don't, don't, no regrets. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the last one is the most important. And I feel like this solidifies those other two. You have to believe that you're worth it. Mm. You just have to, and you have to believe that you're worth it. And look at yourself in the mirror every day. Remind yourself that you are. Ask people that you love and that are close to you and, and are important to you. Ask them to tell you that you're worth it. And that's what I had to do with my husband and some close family members. I said, you need to start telling me that because I need to believe that. I need to hear that from other people. And, mm-hmm. and if you feel I am, please tell me. And, I, and that was really scary for me to actually ask them to tell me that. Mm-hmm. But the effect was I was really uncomfortable with it at first. And I had to learn to be okay with that and, and move through that. But hearing those positive things from other people that you love is mm-hmm. critical mm-hmm. to your mental, physical, and emotional well-being. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and the more you hear it, the more it's just going to become part of you. Exactly. And the more you believe it and you live it and you don't even need it anymore because you wake up and you know it, It, it's embedded into your soul. And, and that's my hope for all the listeners today that you understand that there was no mistake that you stumbled across this podcast and for you to leave this episode, knowing that you're worth it. You are absolutely worth it. Whatever your next thing in life that you want or desire or need, do it. Go out and do it. What a blessing to have you here with us today. Hope, I really appreciate all your beautiful wisdom. Oh my gosh, and thank you. I, I know you're going to have people going out and listening to all your, your, your great gifts that you've got out on your website. So um, it, thank you so much. Um, thanks for sharing your stories and your, you know, just being vulnerable and the journey that you've been on. And thank you for everything that you're putting out into the world. It's so important right now. Oh my gosh, Cammie. And likewise, I mean, just, it, it, I, it's such a blessing to be able to have met you. And we are going to talk more listeners about uh, maybe doing something together. I think that our, our stars have aligned for a reason to do. I believe that everything happens for a reason. And I'm just so grateful for today. I so agree. Well, thanks, Hope. Have a great Thank day. you. Okay. Thank you. Bye. I hope you liked this episode of Extraordinary Women Radio. If you did, please share this podcast with your own special tribe of women and help spread the love, the dreams, and the inspiration. Are you thinking about making the next bold move in your life? I invite you to take the Your Next Bold Move quiz at CammieGilman.com to find out how you can jumpstart a passionate and meaningful next chapter. You may also enjoy my book, Fire Dancer, Your Spiral Journey to a Life of Passion and Purpose, which is available on Amazon. In Fire Dancer, you will become intimately connected to your heart's calling and build the courage and resiliency to ignite your what's next. I'd love to hear from you on any of my social media channels. I'm on both Facebook and Twitter, and the links are available on my website. Till next time, my friend, listen to your heart, follow your dreams, and be you.